This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is happening, gang? We are jacked about another action-packed episode of the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pauline. In today's episode, we build upon work that we laid last week in terms of looking at the Deshaun Watson deal and take a look at all of the quarterback movement that's happened this offseason. On a 30,000-foot level, we get Bill's perspective and breakdown in terms of why he thinks this year in particular we're seeing all this movement, how much of this is related to how people feel in the league about the upcoming draft, class and what's really happening as it relates to that. And then as we dive into the show, we actually look at all of the various quarterback moves themselves to determine which teams have improved the most, which teams have taken a step in the right direction, which teams maybe took a step back. And I personally was very excited to get to ask some Carson Wentz questions to see what we've got in Washington. This is truly a unique window into Bill's mindset around these macro level issues of why there's so much quarterback movement in the league. And then finally, we wrap up with two of the remaining dominoes in terms of where Bill might see them falling with Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G. And will there be any other sort of landmark kind of watershed moments left in this offseason before we get to the draft? But before we dive into today's show, I wanted to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. And this weekend, it gets it's no better than Duke and Carolina in the Final Four. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the Bracket Contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your favorite sports wagering needs, including live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline, where the games start. And we hope you have fun with some exciting Final Four matchups this week. All right, this is the Inside Football Podcast with Opolian, and this is our look at the quarterback carousel in 2022. I promise you, you are not going to want to miss a minute of this one. All right, we are excited about this week's episode of the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. This is one that I've wanted to do for many weeks. We're going to get, last week we did a little bit of a dive into one stop on the carousel, but we're going to talk a lot about movement and the movement of quarterbacks in the NFL. But before we do, how are we doing today, guys? Good, thank you. Absolutely well. Good to to hear hear both of your voices and uh, be in a position where we can talk a little football. That is a good thing. So, Bill, here is the easiest, stupidest question of the day. Why has there been so much movement of quarterbacks this offseason? 
Well, you had a couple of things take place. The catalyst really was the fact that uh, Aaron Rodgers had leverage and Russ had some leverage. Um, the, two, the two issues were completely different uh, from club to club. But um, I think in one sense, um, they probably melded together to a certain degree. In, in uh, Rogers' case, he wanted a new contract, he wanted an extension, and he wanted guarantees. And he used his leverage and, and, and a long uh, sort of a soap opera to, uh, to, ex to, to, you know, get what he wants. Um, in Russ's case, I think he wanted a commitment from the Seahawks that they were going to do things roster-wise to try and improve the offense, principally the offensive line. I'm not sure Pete agreed with that. I don't know quite where John Schneider stood on it, but I'm not sure Pete agreed with it. I think Pete wanted to make the investments on defense, and uh, that being the case uh, with new contracts for both Pete and, and uh, John, I think they saw the opportunity to rebuild completely uh, and, and, and get a fair amount for Russ if they put him out there on the open market. And, uh, and he was willing to go to Denver, um, so that wasn't the problem. And in essence, uh, you got – two moves, one precipitated totally by the player in Aaron Rodgers' case. And, um, and secondly, in, in Russ's case, I think I, I would make it probably 60 team 40 player. So it wasn't NBA like Harden, you know, orchestrating uh, and, and, and all kinds of tampering going on. But I think it was really more um, money driven clearly in Rodgers' case. And, um, and uh, you know, a combination of things in Russ's case. So, Bill, have we gotten to a point where whether somebody's a franchise quarterback or even a potential Hall of Famer, is it in the future going to be very unlikely that such a person remains with one club for his whole career? Well, I think Tom Brady and Peyton Manning proved that. I mean, that that's, that's already – that's a done deal. So that's, that's, that's over. Yeah. Those days are over. So then mechanically, Bill, how much do you think this one in particular relates to the NFL being a copycat league, seeing the success that Matthew Stafford had moving to LA and certain teams thinking, okay, if we can get the right guy at that position, we can, we can do a similar thing to what the Rams did. You know, Sons having the best defensive player maybe ever. Well, it's, it's a couple of, there's a couple of things that some of it is copycat clearly. But the other is teams looking at it and, and saying, look, we, we don't have a quarterback we can win with. And with the offenses being the way they are these days, the rules being the way they are, um, systems of football being what they are, uh, if you don't have one, it's really hard to win. It's almost impossible to win. So people say, all right, what's in the draft? And where are we in the draft? Tanking is harder and harder to do. Um, and even then, you're not guaranteed uh, the fact that the, the player you get will come in and play, i.e. Baker Mayfield. What a mistake Cleveland made, right? They tanked. They did everything they could to get Baker Mayfield, and he fell on his face, or at least for the moment has. So uh, they say to themselves, what will it cost us to get a bona fide guy who can win for us? You know, there are six to eight of them in the league. 
What's it going to cost to get that guy? And how long are we going to have? So, so that's sort of the question, Bill. Is, as you know, a show many shows ago, we talked about how fifty percent of first round quarterbacks actually completely bomb out. So, in terms of a supply and demand issue, there's thirty two teams that would ha- love to have the kind of quarterback you're describing, but there's six, eight, nine in any given season. So, I mean, if they can get free of contractual obligation. They're really in the driver's seat, aren't they? I mean, with with that, with the- well, they're not. But they're not going to get free. They're not going to get free. You, you you're not going to have another Deshaun Watson. Like teams are not letting these guys go free. They're not walking. People are going to use the franchise tag. They're, they're going to get. They're going to get recompense for them. They're going to get something for them. They're going to use them to to get draft choices to perhaps get players, uh, existing players. Uh, they're not walking. They're not. They're not doing it, James Harden. That's not happening in the NFL. Right, but some of the comp, some of the compensation so far has been really, by historically meager. I mean, second, third. You know, it's not like they're getting a lot for these guys. Well, Matt Ryan's at the end of his career. The, the third was that was fair compensation. That was probably more than, you know, more than they had a right to expect. Uh, until the Watson thing blew up and Cleveland jumped in with the guaranteed contract, they were talking four and a six for him. So uh, I thought that deal was fine. I thought the Russ deal was okay. You know, he's he's a guy that's uh, he's not on he's not not he's starting on the back nine, and a little guy who's you know had an injury last year. Um, I didn't think the compensation was out of line, and certainly Cleveland play, paid probably more than they should have for Deshaun Watson and for way more in terms of the guaranteed contract. So, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought they were pretty, you know, you, you can only get the compensation you can get. It, right. The, right. The marketplace and, you know, and, and whatever the market bears is what it bears. It's up to you to decide whether you want to make the trade or not. Yeah. And obviously a lot's going to depend on where in the player's career, but the idea, okay, I'm giving you a current all pro quarterback, I need a first round pick to try and find one for myself isn't always going to work. No, it's not going to work because you may not be able to find the first round quarterback to begin with. That's and true. Second of all, you might not, you, you might not be able to get that kind of compensation based on a guy's age. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. Hey Bill, from a macro level, you know, obviously we'll get more into the draft later, but how much of this quarterback movement from quarterback needy teams to go with, the Matt Ryans of the world, the Carson Wentz's of the world. How much of that is uh, kind of an indignation on the prospects coming in from a draft perspective, or do you think that didn't play a role in this at all? Oh yeah, it played a role because the general consensus, not to say that the consensus is right, by the way, it almost never is, but um, the general consensus was that there weren't any quote franchise quarterbacks. I hate that term. Uh, the, the in this year's draft. Uh, no one knows that. That's just, that's, you know, a lot of baloney that people put out there because it sounds good. Um, the, the, the bottom line is that you'll probably have maybe three first round quarterbacks, perhaps four if people get greedy down at the bottom and want the fifth year on somebody. Um, but that doesn't mean they're first round players. And when you're about at the bottom of the first round, they're not first rounders anyway. So uh, in terms of talent, so, uh, um, you know, it was a meager year. But don't forget, Patrick Mahomes went 10th and, and, and Kansas City traded up to get him. Um, 
a lot of people passed on him. So this is not an exact science by any means. And, uh, you know, there may be one or two guys who come on and, and, and be great out of this year's group. But the consensus is, no, there wasn't a franchise guy out there. So maybe let's look to who's who's in the marketplace. Well, then you wonder, will this create maybe value in some of these quarterbacks if they do start to fall, if people don't think they're first round picks, but now because most of the chairs are filled, if you could pick up these guys in the second, third or fourth round? Well, that's where a lot of them belong anyway. But I do think I do think that you're probably going to have action at the bottom of the first round because you, it, if you draft a player in the first round, you get the fifth year option. So if he turns out to be good, you've got him for five years, which is which is not a bad thing. Tons of people, including a few of us on this show, take multivitamins. It's important to choose one that is top quality. That's why we on this show love one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens. You're absorbing 75 quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. I will say this. Off script, their travel packs are phenomenal and you're going to love them. And best of all, there's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water, one one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, Rick, where are we going? All right, so let's let's drill down a little bit more, Bill. Um, let's move on to uh, the first two dominoes that fell. Uh, give us your thoughts uh, on Aaron Rodgers, uh, specifically in terms of uh, with with uh, Devonte gone. Uh, how how is he situated relative to relative to the surrounding weapons that he has and the coaching changes? How much will that affect him? Well, you know the fact that the coordinator is gone really doesn't play much of a role. He's got Tommy uh, Clements back who he worked with before and likes very much and who is very capable. Um, the head coach just still calls all the plays anyway. So um, there's no change there. Um, uh, Valdez Scantling is gone. So we'll see how they line up at receiver. Uh, we don't know what they're going to do there, but the fact that, he had to know that Devontae was moving on uh, and, and then still took the deal or had an inkling that Devontae was moving on and still took the deal. Tells me that it was all about money. Hey, hey, Bill, do you think Lazard is a bona fide number two in the NFL? Well, I, you know, I'm not sure I agree with number ones and number twos. It depends on the, it, again, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, a TV term. Um, it, it's, it's a question of where the guy fits in the offense, what his skill set is. He fits pretty well in a West Coast offense. Is he as good as Devontae in terms of setting people up and running routes? Um, probably not, but he hasn't had as many uh, targets. We'll see over time. But 
you know, he's a quality receiver. He, he has the capability to be a starter. What he does after he starts is, a, is another question entirely. But contract-wise with Aaron Rodgers, just from a fan's perspective, we're not going to have to deal with this next offseason or the offseason after that. He's in Green Bay for at least the foreseeable next two or three years unless he retires. Um, well, I don't know that he has a, he has a, uh, a no trade. I don't know that he does have a no trade. So, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah. They could fall on their face and decide to move on. The, the soap opera starts all over again. Yeah, because – you got to think, their receiving core on March 29th of Lazard, Cobb, it's not the usual suspects he's had there. Tunyon's coming off the injury. Tunyon's coming off an injury, and Cobb is at the end. Right. So this is the, the cupboard isn't real full right now. No, I agree. So, all right. And what, and, and if, if something happens in terms of what they currently have as a backup, you know, has the fact that he hasn't been given more time or brought along, is that just because Aaron Rodgers continues to be spectacular, Bill, or is that because the the growth is not there? I would speculate that, the, and based on what I saw of him playing in Kansas City last year, when he got one chance to play in the regular season, the growth is not as fast as they expected it or hoped that it would be. And so uh, they went ahead and, and, and did the deal with Rodgers and probably gritted their teeth and did the deal with Rodgers. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. With And God forbid, from a media story perspective, they do what the Packers do and take a cornerback with one of those two late first-round selections. It will be a media fire. Yeah, well, that I mean, that in the end, that's the media. It doesn't mean anything on the team. And Rogers got his money, so he's not he's not going to be concerned. I don't think. Yeah, well, I mean, he had to. He he didn't get the the gig at Jeopardy, so he had to make the money. So, all right. So then, Domino two. Good point, Rick. Uh, Domino two with Russell Wilson. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. How does Russell Wilson fit into Nathaniel Hackett's offense? Well, it's a good question. We interviewed Nathaniel Hackett in Chicago, and one of the main themes that he made in the interview process was that it's all about the quarterback the quarterback the quarterback the quarterback and throughout his career he's he's always tried to be quarterback friendly in the way he constructs offenses uh look at what he did with Bortles for example in in Jacksonville Bortles is severely limited as a as an NFL quarterback and uh and Nathaniel did a great job in doing things that that helped him doing things that accentuated accentuated his ability to run the ball, his ability to run the option, things of that nature. So he's always been totally focused on making the quarterback as good as he could make it. So I think that that will be the case here. He, he's he, he's going to have to look at a lot of tape of Russ and see what Russ does best and then talk with Russ and see where Russ is relative to um, – his own physical well-being and what he feels he can do best physically at this stage of the game. But um, I have a feeling that, that that's not a feeling. I know because he said it, that's, that's what he's going to do. Um, so, I, you know, when it comes to offense, uh, I, I don't think there's very few people that could take a backseat to Nathaniel in terms of, of how to prepare a quarterback, how to be quarterback friendly, how to do things that the quarterback wants to do and can do well. So he'll, he'll 
he's going to be building things around Russ's skill set. One sort of follow on to that with with Russ's moon ball that you've obviously talked a lot about on the show is how how big a factor will altitude play in his ability to keep throwing the deep ball longer into his career? Does that have an impact? Um, will that actually allow him to play longer being able to play in altitude? Altitude has an effect on the kicking game. I think the Denver players get acclimated to it. Um and, and don't have a problem with it. Visiting teams do. That's why you see them taking oxygen all the time. Uh, Peyton um, didn't get any, uh, you know, any extra years on, on his arm, which had been, um, you know, severely constrained because of the, of the, the, the uh, vertebra operation, the fusion of the vertebra. So, you know, I would doubt that it would have any, any, any real effect on Russ. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Scott, I guess you were asking about sort of the, the aerodynamics of, of the situation. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 it seems like Bill's right. I mean, the kicking game is one thing, but throwing a pass is not going to be that much different in, at, in Denver. Uh, although I, I was once on the field when Elway was playing, and Bill, you've probably been there too. He threw a ball. I don't think it had anything with altitude, but I'd never heard anything like that in my life. They made actually a sizzling sound as the ball went through the air to the receiver, something I'd never heard before. Yeah, they're, they're, the guys with the real strong arms, the ball will whistle. That's what it's, that's what it, that's the term of art. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of, uh, of altitude, they get adjusted to it. It's the visiting team that suffers, you know, pretty, you can suffer greatly uh, if you're not prepared for it. From a, you're talking about from a stamina standpoint. Yeah, stam- yeah. No, no, stamina and, and energy both. I mean, it's stamina to, and, right, and the resulting, yeah. Okay. Oxygen is hard to come by at, at that level if you're, not, if you're not acclimated to it. True. All right, so here we go. So why are so many of these quarterbacks going to the AFC? So it seems to me just sort of stupid empirical test-wise. Why are so many of these guys matriculating to the AFC? Is there anything that you think is a root cause of that? No, it's a function of who's available, number one, what what seats are available, the the phrase you used before. Um, Secondly, it's a function of where the market is, you know, who's willing to trade. Uh, you got an arms race going on in the the, uh, AFC West, but they – it was a paucity of talent there anyway. So what they did was load up on quarterbacks. You know, they needed them, so they loaded up over time. In the NFC last year, of course, Stafford moved. There's been little movement in the NFC this year, except for Matty Ice, who uh, essentially was forced out of, of uh, Atlanta. So, um, and and the Colts had, a, had an open chair. So it's just a function of, of happenstance in a given year. So to, to that, to that end, like, would you, do you think the athletes are more concerned about the level of the level of competition or strictly it's just kind of, that's where the most money was. That's where I'm going. It's a combination of job, uh, fit money, those three things. Most athletes and, and certainly quarterbacks don't say to themselves, gee, you know, I'd rather go to the NFC East because most of the teams over there stink. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't see it that way. Uh, they, they say, well, I'll elevate the team that I go to. That's, that's how they think. So, uh, you know, last week we touched on something where Bill talked about the differing points of view of an agent and uh, a GM. And this is a great example. You know, an agent has a fiduciary duty to find the best spot for his client. And traditionally what that has mean is, is the most money and now the most guaranteed money. Uh, and these are important because, as, as Bill pointed out, where it's very difficult for owners once guaranteed contracts are given out to get the flexibility they need, this is really the sport where you need guaranteed contracts more than any other sport as a player because the career is the shortest, the, the great the, the incidence of injury, the incidence of career-ending injury are higher than any other. So that guarantee turns what is generally historically a unilateral contract where the player, if he plays up to or exceeds the level, stays under that contract. But uh, if he falls below the level the club perceived, he can be cut and it's no longer a contract at all. So there might be a few exceptions where guys have earned so much money and they're in the sort of the tail end of their career, you know, like, like Brady moving to, to Tampa uh, you know, Peyton going to Denver where they say, okay, I want to go to a place where we can win the Super Bowl. But, you know, quarterbacks aren't playing against quarterbacks. There's 31 uh, losers every year relative to the Super Bowl. So I think that that is a very, very unusual thing to take into account. And it's really about money and it's really about guarantees. And the agents are going to now fight harder and harder to get those. And Bill, I understand why that puts a club in a very difficult position, but from the player standpoint, it really is something you, you want if you can possibly get it. Well, it just depends on the club and the general manager for me. Um, they're not getting it. <laughs> they're going to get some <laughs> guarantees, but uh, th there's almost nobody worth a hundred percent guarantee. All right. Well, let's get into guys that did not get a hundred percent guarantees first. So we're going to now go through kind of some of the individual moves and get bill your perspective on how you think they fit. So first one, let's talk about Matty ice. How do you feel like Matt Ryan's going to do in Indianapolis? How do you like the fit? Other than his age home run uh, last year's statistics, 3,698 yards, 7.1 average uh, per attempt. That's that's the that's the number you want. That's the floor. Sixty seven percent completion. That's great. Twenty TDs, 12 interceptions, 40 sacks. Those 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 statistics don't match. And the reason they don't match is because Matt's one of the toughest and most judicious guys with the ball you can find. He'll take that hit rather than throw the interception. So uh, uh, Indianapolis is going to protect them better. He's going to have better receiver. Uh, he's going to have a better running game, and uh, he's in clover. All right, on to the yeah, next one. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk to Sean, Bill. A couple of things about him: um, uh, his abilities and uh, Stefanski's offense. But before you answer that, being as much uh, as much as you are an expert putting together teams, you spent that time in the league office. You know the 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 operations. Obviously, the criminal complaints, or at least I saw there was one the other one that was being filed. But to some degree, they haven't come to uh, being charged uh, by a grand jury yet. So, but there's all these other civil claims. 
Do you think that Roger is going to do something now on top of that if the claims are just pending? Or would that be awaiting a verdict in all those civil cases? And he's just going to let him come back and play until he's found culpable if he is so. Well, I haven't talked to Roger about it, so I don't know what his thinking is. Um, the second grand jury refused to hand up a bill, so there, there, there's no there's no criminal charges on the horizon. That's a huge hurdle for him to get over, and he's over it. Um, as to the 22 complaints, um, he's got probably at least until camp to get those settled. He's got enough money to settle them right now. Um, they may get settled and go away, at which point um, there'll be no trial. There'll be no legal action. There'll be very little detail that's out there except what people contend. And, and settlements, as you know, as a lawyer, Rick, uh, require confidentiality. Um, so it could all go away by the time camp starts if he settles the suits. And, um, and, and that's all it's left to do. So uh, stay tuned. I don't think Roger's going to do much of anything until he sees what happens with these lawsuits. Okay. And then football-wise, how do you see him fitting in that offense? Well, you don't know what Coach Stefanski's going to do now. He's got a guy who's very mobile, um, who's got a big arm, who can make all the throws, um, who's the, the opposite of Baker Mayfield. He's very mobile and very accurate on the run. Um, so if, if, you, if you look at what they did with Mayfield and, and with that run game and, and add it to um, Deshaun's skill set, I could see why they wanted him. There's no two ways about that. There'll be some rust in, 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 the, in the early going, that's for sure. But by, uh, by the eighth game, I think they should be, they should be humming. And, um, uh, you know, he provides, um, if Baker Mayfield's uh, a five right now on a scale of 10, Deshaun, even with the rust, is probably a 7.5 to an eight. And that's probably two more wins, three more wins? Three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, staying in the division, Rick, you want to hit us next? Yeah. So, um, and it's an interesting one because he's obviously been a guy who has drawn a lot of criticism over the years, but who clearly also has some talent, um, both relative to his own abilities and relative to what might be out there. Otherwise, do you think Mitch Trubisky is going to wind up being the starter in, in uh, Pittsburgh this upcoming year? If I were a betting man, I'd say he winds up being the starter at the beginning of the season. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the season, particularly if they get picked. So I think that I think the jury's out on that. How worried? And this is a jump ahead. How worried would you be about Pickett's hand size in a climate like Pittsburgh? Uh, he wears gloves, so that, that and he's played in Pittsburgh, so that's it's not an issue as far as I'm concerned. All right, all right. Here we go. You know, on, on that point. Um, Bill, you know, it always seems to me that, you know, the college ball is harder to throw. It's fatter, uh, less aerodynamic. And he was throwing that fine when, when he was, you know, in college. Uh, so, you know, I, people keep asking the question, but it, it seems like, to, now maybe it is, but is that more of a media thing? Uh, so they have something to talk about? Or if you're the Steelers, are you really worrying about that whatsoever? Oh, I don't, I don't think they're worried at all because they've seen him every day. You know, it, 
the owner can walk across the practice field and watch him practice. So if they take him, there's there's no issue there. I mean, they're they're in the same building. Uh, they, I'm sure they knew his hand size before the season started. So uh, and and he wears gloves, which ameliorates the uh, the issue of grip, and and to some degree ameliorates. The, people worry about strip sacks. That's what the issue is with small-handed guys. Uh, but uh, uh, he wears gloves, and he's played in Pittsburgh in the weather. There's been no issue there at all. Right. All right. All right. Here we go. It's the shock meter. How surprised were you that Tom Brady came back? Um, do we have to talk about this? Uh, the, the, the short answer is not surprised. And who cares where he goes next? I mean, he's, he's enough's enough. <laughs> All right. So we are, we're not even going to dive so into really, uh, what, what Florida team he will be playing for this season. I don't deal in rumors. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, I deal in facts. And I can tell you, as a lifelong fan of this team, I know there was a lot, a lot of people a little negative about this, but I kind of think we've got the third best quarterback in the NFC right now. How do you feel? Are you as jacked as I am about the Carson Wentz fit here in D.C.? Because I think we're actually going to be pretty good. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sending in my playoff ticket application just yet. But you can um, have one here, of my seats. Here were his, his statistics last year. 3,563 yards in a, in a very high-powered offense, 6.9 per attempt. That's 0.1 below the line, so not great. 62% completion, not great by the standards of what happens in the league the, 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 uh, these days. You're, you know, you're looking for somewhere in between 65 and above. Um, 27 TDs seven interceptions unfortunately two of them lost games uh, and and that's what sticks in people's craw and in their minds and uh, 32 sacks which for a quarterback with an offensive line that good although they had difficulty at left tackle um, means he's holding the ball a little a little too much um, so a, a fair to midland year, um, the, they, they have got to get him a, to get rid of the ball fast and B to make sure that he does not panic in situations and, and do really dumb things in situations where all he really has to do is just throw the ball away. That's a technical football term. <laughs> Very good thing. <laughs> That's a function of his mindset. And he's got to get to the point where he says, okay, everything's cool here. I don't have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I just have to play quarterback. And, and he's, I don't think he's there yet. Um, now, Frank Reich did wonders with him in Philadelphia, and he had a fair to middling year last year um, by his standards. Um, but, you know, without Frank Reich, who knows? We'll see. But from a talent perspective, so so what I'm gathering is a lot of this is mental. All the talent is there to be really, really good, if not elite. Yeah, but uh, quarterback Yogi once said uh, that baseball is is I think fifty percent physical and ninety percent mental. Yeah, um, the the he wasn't far off. 
quarterback at the NFL level, if you have the talent and Carson has it, is, is really about 75% to 80% mental. And, and he's not all there yet. He's not, he's not a finished product yet. But there is a chance it clicks in. See, uh, well, Scott, as far as your third rating goes, uh, that, 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 is, that is the equivalent of the brain drain, the arm drain to the AFC. Uh, <laughs> what's the competition? Well, I mean, what's crazy to me, though, is in the last – he's maybe the best talent we've had here at quarterback in the last 25 years. Yeah, accent on the, the word talent, but that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's for the draft. Right. In the NFL, it's production. That's what counts. To me, I still like his – do you like – do you like his production better than Kirk's? Actually, no. Actually, no, when you look at it statistically. He does have more wins. And that's a function of who's around him, too. He did have Fletcher Cox and some pretty good defenses on some of those Philadelphia teams that we did not have when Kirk was getting annihilated. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, he's not a bust. I, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to say he's a bust by any means, but I'm not – I'm not putting them in the Super Bowl just yet. Yeah. That's why they played the season. It's yeah. true. Hey, true enough. Hey, Bill, uh, obviously another guy who either hasn't lived up to the hype or hasn't lived up to the potential, whichever it is, our pal Baker Mayfield. Uh, a, does he have the talent? And in, in, with the perception of him, the, would it be likely that he would be starting in the league next year or – is has he really uh, so damaged himself that at best he, he could be a backup? Well, there aren't any. First of all, he's got the talent to be a backup. Holy mackerel! If you can breathe and throw, you can be a backup in in, in the NFL. Uh, the the uh, you know uh, Seattle does not have a starter yet. Is he better than the guy they got? I'd be inclined to probably let them compete in training camp. Maybe at the end of the season, you'd throw up your hands and say, neither one is good enough. Um, that's the real, the only real opening. I don't think if the Giants have said they're going with their guy. Right, yeah. Carolina, maybe. Carolina, perhaps. But they've said they're essentially going for Bradford. Um, and, and I, you know, maybe they think there's more to work with there than Mayfield. They, they knew Mayfield well coming out of college uh, because uh, – Coach Rule was in college at the time. So, but you're right. The only two landing spots are, are, are Mayfield and, and uh, I'm sorry, are uh, Seattle and potentially Carolina. Carolina. Yep. Yeah. And he's going to be unhappy in Carolina because Mayfield, because uh, there's no talent there. All right. Quick hit 30 seconds. It's starting to look like Jimmy G staying in San Francisco, right? Well, that would make sense because of the injury. Yeah, Jimmy G. Um, Jimmy G. is 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 the is the, the best talent of of this of this group, other than Matt. And, but the injury makes him untradeable at this point in time. Well, there you have it. All right, gang. That is our look at quarterback movement thus far in the offseason. Who knows? We don't deal in rumor and innuendo on the show, but there might be a few blockbusters left to go, and we might be having this conversation again in two weeks. As always, if you got stuff you want us to cover, hit us up on Twitter at IFBillPolian, and we ask if you love the show, give us some likes, give us some shares, give us some positive ratings. It helps. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.
Thank you, guys. And uh, we all will continue to be Rumor Control Central right here. Rumor Control. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.